Hello to all you non-fungible forest creatures out there in the Edge of NFT community of dreamers, disruptors, and doers. We have a special Miami Crypto Experience bonus episode for you today. As we make the rounds to various conferences and events in the NFT space, we want to provide you with the inside track on the most fascinating and groundbreaking projects we've discovered. So even if you don't have the time you'd like to travel, connect, and network within the NFT community, we've still got you covered. This bonus episode contains curated content from our interviews at the Miami Crypto Experience Convention that took place from November 10th to 12th of 2021. Thanks to the conference organizers and the Kryptonite virtual team for sharing this content with us. Stay tuned for some truly excellent conversations. Thanks for sharing this time with us, and please enjoy. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. First, well, let me give an official foundation to what's going on here. As I mentioned, I'm Ethan from the Edge of NFT podcast, cover the top 1% in NFTs today, as well as what will stand the test of time. Today's discussion, as we can see, features Jesse Tevelo of Praise and Al Morris of Koi. I'd love to give an official introduction of each of you just to give a little bit of background. Of course, we don't have time to cover all of the wonderful, beautiful things you're doing, but let's see if we can get, get something there in brief. So Jesse Tevelo, founder of Praise. It's an incentive-based social currency platform. He's also the founder of Launch Team, an international creative marketing agency. Jesse is a three-time number one best-selling author and was ranked by Amazon as a top 20 business writer in 2015. His books, interviews, and live appearances have affected millions of people around the world. You can learn more uh, from his personal website, www.jtev.me. And a little bit about Al. Al is the founder and architect of Koi, where they are building the fabric and frameworks for a better internet and fostering a new ecosystem and economy based on attention rewards. Besides leading the Koi team, Al is an advisor to a number of other projects in NFT and blockchain. So much of Al's work centered on openness to new ideas and bringing decentralized projects to life. So officially, uh, welcome to the session here today, Jesse. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And Al, thanks for being here, guys. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive right into some questions and conversation topics and have a little fun here. So using rewards and gamification to elevate the user experience, enhance retention, that has become a hallmark of some of the most successful projects. Um, I'm wondering how each of you incorporate rewards and gamification into your business model. And to make it easier for us not to step on each other's toes, I'll just select, let's say, uh, Jesse first. So we'll put you on the spot and I'll have a second to think about it. Sure. No problem. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having us, Ethan, and, and the rest of the uh, Miami Crypto World team. And, and Al, nice to meet you, man. Uh, it sounds like we're doing some some really cool things that are aligned. So we'll maybe we'll talk offline after this go. call, but excited to get to know you as well. This is for people listening. It's my first time meeting Al, but known Ethan for a while. So um, so yeah, our system, it, the, the core of the system, uh, the company is called Praise, and the core of the entire thing is that 
it's a um, incentive based rewards system. And so it's literally like our almost our entire product is based around this this concept. Um, and so for us, um, the way it works is we have an inflationary token, which means everybody just gets there's more and more of our token coming into the ecosystem. And that happens every single day. And it happens for um, every single day for a thousand years. We, we've mapped it out for a thousand years. And the the inflationary coins coming into the system um, come in at a decreasing uh, rate each day. So there's less tokens coming out each day. And that goes on for a thousand years. Um, what do we do with that? Uh, we reward people. So the whole system is just like, come, come use our stuff, come be part of our community, and then we'll reward you. Very simple concept. So it's really the core of what I think is happening now across the industry as a whole. And we just happen to be building into that trend for the last couple of years. So um, the way we do this is through our rewards algorithm, which is like the Google search algorithm. So Google search algorithm use lots and lots of different bells and whistles and knobs to figure out how to rank pages. We do the same thing to rank rewards and we give the top rewards to the, to the top users. And that's based on this algorithm with lots and lots of knobs. And so that's the model. We can sort of um, we're going to change that reward system over time and eventually move to a DAO, which uh, stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. If you are a newbie here, and that just means that you know initially our core centralized team, our the actual company, will decide on most, if not all, of the elements of that rewards algorithm. But over time, it'll move to this decentralized model where people in the community. Are voting. What should we get rewarded for? Like, what what do we want our community to be getting? Um, and so over time, it'll become more and more about the community. Um, and I think this is the way the world's going. I think we're tired of um, being held back by institutions. I think we all we all have the technology now to do the rote tasks. So at this point, it's about creativity. It's about growth. It's about innovation, ideas, collaboration. Um, and so we just think an incentivized reward system like this will help that movement so that's that's how we're doing it <laughs> cool yeah thanks for that background appreciate it. It's, it you know i noticed that a lot of what you guys are doing um is sort of incorporating popular culture right and, and influencers and kind of the way that people you know the sort of natural social relationships that people are building and sort of rewarding each other already but trying to make it a little bit more explicit and make it you know, actually more rewarding. So uh, that's, that's really exciting stuff. I want to kick it over to Al here. So, uh, you know, rewards and gamification, how do you see them playing a role in, in your business model at, at Koi? So I think the, the kind of neat thing about the, um, the whole concept of rewards and incentives is basically why we have an economy. Um, otherwise, people wouldn't get up in the morning, right? They would probably just lie in bed all day or maybe wait until somebody got them food or they got really hungry and they had to get up. Um, what we see with decentralized systems, which is really cool, though, is that most of these systems are designed to have self-sustained rewards that they create for them, like intentionally within their own ecosystem. Um, so basically bringing the resources they need. So with Bitcoin, Bitcoin brings in all of the hashing power it needs for the network to be secure. And that allows Bitcoin to be a secure form of currency. Um, and Bitcoin actually grows over time. So like the Bitcoin network at this point, you could say is actually kind of like it's autonomous on its own. It pays its own bills. People come to it and they give it what it needs to survive. Um, which is a very cool concept, right? So we kind of set up to do the same thing with Koi. Uh, similarly with the attention rewards, that's kind of how we incentivize sort of end users to be part of the platform and the people who are going to be creating content. Um, we also wanted to, on the flip side, give those end users the ability to incentivize, uh, you know, different people who are going to host the content for them and make sure that there's going to be a full stack incentive model 
it's going to allow you to deploy an application where all the content remains decentralized. Um, because that's really, at the end of the day, that's the scary part about the internet is if we don't have the right incentives for the hosting companies, then they take all our stuff and they might run away with it or they might sue us or they might just try to steal our IP. Uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of long-term, uh, it's a very scary long-tail effect for that they get out of control. Right, yeah. And I love how this happens every once in a while, especially knowing, uh, you know, how anathema uh, crypto is, is to Charlie Munger. So I love when I hear people in crypto quoting Charlie Munger. So I'll, <laughs> I'll give a paraphrase. I think he said something like, you know, if you don't understand incentives, right? Like you're screwed, right? Like this is one of the pinnacles of good business, you know, you know just even life in general. Understanding incentives is, is so key. Um, I'm working on it myself. I'm sure <laughs> you guys are, you know, being an employer, right? Like, like working with people. Uh, being employed by someone else, you know, just even getting out of the bed of the morning right now, like you said. Um, but let, let's hit on the next question here. Um, I know both of you are big into supporting and benefiting others, right? And I think that's really wonderful. And we feel that when we interact with you here at Edge of MFT. Um, how do you hope users will benefit from using your platform outside of, you know, the monetary uh, benefits uh, that they might experience alone. And then, and why don't we give it to Al first on this one? So what are your thoughts about the benefits people experience outside of monetary? Sure. Um, so kind of to follow what you were just saying, I think it's about providing a space where um, you can experiment with the incentives because right now we live in a world that most of the incentives were designed a long time ago, um, probably by people that lived in a generation before we were even born. And so a lot of the, a lot of the world that we exist in, the economic models, the things that we do every day are kind of dependent on those, those pre-existing incentive models. Um, so what we're really trying to create is kind of the foundation for new types of incentive networks that can occur. Uh, so one of the things we're doing right now is for NFTs, you can create a thumbnail using Koi tasks and get somebody else's computer to create that thumbnail for you. Um, and this uses the same token that we give out to artists, which means that if you're an artist and you publish a collection of work, then you can use that incentive network to be able to uh, create additional value for your content. Um, and so that kind of stuff is, I think, really interesting because once we create a foundation for that and there's a reward framework out there and there's the ability for people to earn money doing this stuff, it's going to rapidly accelerate away from the current situation and lead us to a completely new world that is stable, that has good incentive models where everybody feels like they're getting rewarded, but doesn't look anything like the world we live in today. Uh, and for content creators and people using the internet, I think that means like greater freedom of speech and also enabling people who do have interesting things to say to be able to do that professionally instead of just as a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about uh, as we talk about all this and sort of the incentives I decide of monetary incentives, the first thing I think of is likes on Facebook, right? Or Instagram or any of these channels. I mean, look at people can put almost their entire life into getting those likes and there may be even no monetary incentive. They may, I mean, they may be just disappointed and think that there is going to be, um, but you definitely see people you know, seeking attention and, and actually likes have almost become their own form of currency for better or for worse. Um, so it's really interesting to see the evolution of that. I, I don't know about your guys feeling and, and I want to get, uh, you know, your, your opinion on my previous question, Jesse, but, um, just to bring up this topic, you know, it seems to me that in the world of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, there is this sort of, uh, sort of a, a tone of hope of moving a little bit deeper, right? Of moving a little bit deeper beyond, hey, did I just get a lot of likes, right? Is this just an attention grab? Like, is there something deeper here? Are there some other mechanisms? And especially, can this be decentralized, right? So it, I'm not just seeking approval from, you know, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, right, in that system, but but maybe it's more decentralized. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jesse? And also just kind of, uh, it's kind of the same topic, how, how your users going to benefit outside of, of the monetary incentives. Oh, you've muted yourself. Uh, so just unmute yourself. Um, yeah, I said I can probably um, answer both of them kind yeah, of in tandem. So of course. The main thing that I'm trying to get across or one, one of the main things that we're trying to sort of educate the world on through praise, through our organization, is that there's different kinds of currencies and that fiat is just like the government issued currency that they just decided was going to be the one that everyone would use. And then they basically like handcuffed everybody inside their borders to, to just do that. Like, it's kind of crazy if you right. actually think about that for a second. And not only that, they, they basically just like lied to us about the whole system in a sense, once they switched off the federal reserve, because they're like, look, we're backing this. It's got gold backs to it. So like, you can trust us with the government. We'll make sure your money is worth something. And then they were like, Oh, never mind." In like 1970. They're like, we're just gonna start printing paper because like the, the reserve thing didn't work. And, like we're out of gold and like, we need to need more paper. So we're just gonna start making like, they literally just <laughs> paid shit up. like, and, and it's not a good system. It's just not. And so that's one kind of currency. We call that fiat, which is like a, a government issued um, currency. Now we also have cryptocurrency, which is another kind of currency. But these are these are also just one of many kinds of currencies. There's also relationship currency or, you know, clout is, is kind of a currency, your, your reputation. Like there's different kinds of there's emotional currency. So, you know. Um, people need to start understanding, number one, what money actually is and that there's all these different kinds of currencies. And then also understand that there's different ways to leverage all these different kinds of currencies. So you talked about likes or, you know, on Instagram, let's say followers or all these things. There's real value in those things, right? Like if you have a, a, an audience and you're getting lots of likes and you're getting lots of uh, followers and stuff, there's something there. Mm -hmm. Like that is value. You're doing something. Um, it's not about the likes. It's about the audience, mm -hmm. right? Back to the community. It's all about the community. Um, and so when you think about currencies, how are we using currencies? Well, the idea is that we don't want people to think of praise as money. We want, we want praise to be a value-based currency exchange. So you're showing appreciation. You're showing that someone has value to you. Um, and then if you do a lot inside of our organization and you get a lot of praise, convert that shit out to fiat if you want, or don't hold it, use it for other stuff, trade it with somebody, buy an NFT. It's just a currency. It just allows you to barter, use other things just like fiat. It just so happens that fiat kind of sucks and that, you know, there's a lot of better options now. So we'll start to see this understanding come, come out with mainstream consumers, they just, it's like we've been brainwashed for like 200 and 300 years or whatever to think that fiat is the only kind of currency. And it's just not. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm far from being a sociologist, but I, I guess I'm lucky, lucky enough to know some people who are on anthropology and sociology and get, get an earful of, of something interesting here and there. And when I learned about, I've always been interested in these types of currencies and fields and capital and all this stuff. Um, and I, that's why I'm interested in, in, in cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Uh, but there's this, uh, sociologist, uh, Pierre Bourdieu, which, um, I always think of when I think of your, your, your project, Jesse. Um, and I believe the story, his story is he came from like not a, you know, not a wealthy background, but he got himself into, you know, some of that, 
the higher higher education where he could make his way in the world. But his studies were around this. You know, he I think he defined you know social capital, political capital, all these different um, domains where you can you know you could have capital in this domain, but not in this domain. You know, you think about something like street cred, right? That's its own type of kind of capital, right? That you can't replicate. Um, through another type of capital. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think a guy like that would be fascinated with all this, right? If, if you were alive today and being able to study it, um, both of you guys are pioneering, you know, the vision that only a few had, you know, many years ago, but maybe we've all longed for. Um, Al, so, uh, let's, let's move on uh, to the next topic, uh, that I'd like to discuss here. And we'll go over to Al. Community, um, it's at the center of growth in the NFT space. It, it's in its current form. And I, I want to know how are NFTs and social tokens providing value for artists to be able to keep doing what they love? Sure. Um, so I think the thing that, like you said, the word community. So a community, um, actually Sam from our wave told me this last week, a community is a group of people who are indebted to each other in some fashion. Um, and we think about debt as a very negative thing, but debt is actually... Uh, in many ways, it's a powerful thing. It means that, you know, you took care of somebody's kids when they were on vacation and now they kind of, they think of you as a friend of the family and that you're kind of an honored person in their lives. Um, and I think that the potential of crypto is that now we have a digital way of quantifying a lot of those kind of tiny micro transactions that are actually already occurring in our day-to-day -day lives. And by quantifying them and by enabling them with greater liquidity and all the tools that kind of come along with that, um, it gives people a stronger path to be able to grow those kinds of interactions instead of the traditional types of value extraction interactions. Because uh, in fact, there's a lot of ways that we create value every day that are not value extractive. They're actually just very additive. Uh, whereas most of capitalism and most of kind of what we think of as uh, like income is very related to value extraction. And it's very little to do with creating value and helping people. Um, so with these, with these technologies, specifically with creator economies, I think what we're seeing, even if you look at like play to earn games and things like that, there's a lot of people now who can take up a new vocation purely because this new economy exists where they can transact in that vocation, uh, which previously wouldn't have been true because you couldn't communicate with somebody halfway around the world. And even if you could, you couldn't pay them. Um, and now you can. You can do all of these things. And then you can embed those payment models right into the rails of a technology stack. Um, and then that means that you've got an entire ecosystem that's transacting around one currency or a variety of currencies. Um, and actually, to, to Jesse's point about central banks, the really interesting part there is that when you have a central bank that produces one type of currency, that means that the whole economy is focused on one type of econ economic activity, right? You can only optimize in so many directions before you're not actually optimizing anymore. And so with these digital currencies, we're able to optimize towards a specific goal, which in the case of both Jesse's and, I, and ICE Networks, um, it really is all about empowering creators. So with Koi, at least... Um, we are trying to create a token that is specifically tailored to creating a value system for people who produce content online and then making that something that they can live off of and actually, uh, you know, create an entire wealth for themselves that is a completely new type of wealth. Mm, yeah, very interesting. And, you know, hesitate to get too deep into controversial territory, but, you know, I kind of I, I do like you know, the discussion of fiat that you brought up, Jesse, and I can't help but sort of unfortunately think about how you know fiat currency in many ways the value of it has been forced by violence right i mean <laughs> i think it's really interesting um you know that what you see within the cryptocurrency models and the nfts i mean i'm not seeing that right i mean i'm sure there's there's a potential for that to get into this world but 
Um, I I never read the book, but the title, I think, says a lot. It was called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, right? It was like a guy who is literally working for one government to try to devalue the currency and, you know, the economy of another government through, you know, all sorts of different means that we might not all approve of being, you know, citizens of the company that's, that's, uh, that's doing that kind of activity. So, um, again, uh, appreciating the nuance here, right? Like, I think we're all craving the nuance. And, and of course, like, you know, we're all hoping for a world where uh, less violence, it, you know, is, is part of what we encounter, for sure. Um, Jesse, you know, I think we, we talked about this before uh, we, we launched on with Al, and it may be a good place to bring into this topic of community. We talked a little bit about like insiders and outsiders in, in various communities. Um, I was trying to explain to uh, a, a new friend that I met at a party, you know, these NFT collections, right? And, at, uh, you know, I said, oh, you know, you could buy them. And then after a while, if you're, if you have one, you can get into special events, you know, and, and she kind of said, well, oh, so it's like, uh, I don't know. It, she may, it, it sounds like, oh, it's exclusive, right? Like meaning not just exclusive, only people, only certain people could be a part of it, but that it's like not inclusive, right? And that's a, that's a very valid, especially gut reaction. But I think, um, it's very interesting to see how, um, like you said, Al, these communities are built out of people who may have not have started right with that power already they created the power by being part of that community and also in a lot of these communities you know you don't have to call it being indebted to one another but it, it it's it's like you're doing something in this community right you're getting the value not just because of where you were born you know or you know who your existing community is you're getting the value because you're contributing in some way you know i think that's interesting any thoughts on, on that, you know, in this topic of sort of insiders and outsiders? I think you mentioned, Jesse, you might have some further thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. And, and Al, you know, feel free to chime in. Um, but, uh, you know, just think about this for a second, what, what Al was saying. He's saying you can now have a currency for a specific community. Just think about that for a second. It's like we've been using fiat for so long, we've got entire countries controlling this, the paper and the coins and stuff. And it's it's competitive, right? That's what Ethan's talking about. It's competitive, right? Who has the best currency? Who's doing what? With, with crypto, it's the opposite. It's collaborative because you can continually add on more coins into different ecosystems and you can continue building things. And what's happening is, um, let's take um, Bored Apes because most people know Bored Apes, Okay. They had all these big parties. They did NFT NYC. They had a yacht. They had all this stuff. And and so you could think of this in two ways. You can think, oh, you know, man, they're like exclusive. Or you could think, damn, they've got a really powerful, awesome community, you know? And it's like, think about any community. You you just decide who you want to be a community member of and you you go in and out of those, those communities, right? The, the difference here is that People have spent a currency. They've spent a cryptocurrency, which has a value, which can be transferred out into fiat or money. So this is how this is starting to change communities. You can actually convert the currencies now. You can convert community into money. How does that happen? The communities are essentially holding equity. Everybody is a shareholder in these communities. That is the difference. It's like, why do they get to go on yachts? They own the company. They're shareholders. The entire community has created 
that value. And that is real. They have the money. How did they do that? Just like any other market, a market is created by the people. If you got something that people want, you got a market. And they created a market, their own market for Bored Apes. And, the, and they're now giving back to their own community that created the product. This has never, ever been possible before. It's never been done before. This is why the world will be changing. And all the old institutions, the old VCs, the old banks, they're all shaking in their boots because we don't need them. Nobody needs any of them anymore. Like at all, you just, this is billions and billions and billions of dollars and companies that have skyscrapers in New York. We don't need them at all. And so when you ask about exclusivity, it's not about exclusivity or inclusivity. It's about communities and helping to grow things as by being part of that community. So, you know, you got to be careful when you, in, in terms of like the industry, I think we really need to get the the nomenclature and really start to talk about these things and create a lexicon for the industry so that people know, no, it's not about exclusivity. It's about collaboration and community and togetherness, right? You cannot have togetherness without having a defined community, which by nature means there's people in the community and there's people not in the community, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a pointless argument. Like there's exclusivity in any single activity, social activity that you would do in life if you just define that as some people being involved and some people not being involved. So what's really happening here is real values being, being created by lots of people like a hive mind all at once. And they're all stakeholders in that, in that um, project. Yeah. And uh, you know, stakeholders, I think it's a really good term. You mentioned shareholders. It's interesting, right? As we, as we sort of cross these boundaries and, and the SEC's head is spinning around all this stuff, you know, are they shareholders or the stakeholders? I think stakeholders is a great way to define, you know, what's going on. And I think also Bored Apes is a good example um, just to illustrate what you talked about, how people might have a certain type of capital, they build it, they could exchange it for, you know, fiat if they want or some other type of currency. You know, if, if you look at a project like Bored Apes, the initial um, sort of, builders, you know, foundational builders of that community, they all bought in for, you know, a fraction of an ETH, right? At a lower, at a lower even price of, of the ETH. And so at, at that point, that has nothing to do with them having to have wealth in order to be a part of that community, right? They just have to have been a contributor, a foundational member. And then uh, if, if it's all panning out uh, uh, to be the truth, I think it's like, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg is like Cosmo Medici, right? And I'm pretty sure uh, he owns a bored ape, right? A guy like that, he's built both social capital and, and economic capital capital and fiat capital and if he wants to at a later date you know buy a buy a board ape and buy into that community okay so he can do that and and but that also reinforces the idea as you said jesse the people who are already there who didn't buy in you know from using fiat still have that value now that they can cash in can cash in on if they so choose right it's an interesting example yeah and also some people are most of these projects are, are, you know, people are spending money to get the M NFTs, but there are projects that are completely free. There's lots of drops. There's lots of people giving NFTs out for other things than money. It's like, oh, like you said, oh, if you're a partner of ours, you've done something for us, you've helped us, maybe you get an NFT. So again, different kind of currency. How can you leverage it? How can you use it? Right now, a lot of companies are using it to, to create revenue and create shareholders. That's perfectly within you know, reason, I think, to do that. And maybe in the future, um, the price will start to, you know, 
uh, Adam Smith free markets, the price will start to go down of these entry points and, and gas fees will go down and all this stuff. Right now we're, we're in a hype cycle and there's a lot of rich people buying these things, but you know, it'll, it'll start to settle out. Hmm. Al, any thoughts on, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so jumping on that one slightly, there's kind of an interesting thing that happens with all of these. So like the board API club is a great example of a group of people where there was a hierarchy established because some people got in really early and they might've bought 10 board apes at the beginning. And then if they got to sell those over the next you know, six or eight months, they're probably living very large right now, mm. uh, which means that they now care about that community. They still have a few of their board apes and they're probably still very invested in the community. Um, and they're probably the ones that are throwing these yacht parties and things like that, right? So the, the thing that's really interesting with that example, though, is that all of these um, hierarchies that now exist with all these crypto communities all exist in parallel. It's not like there's a single hierarchy anymore like there is with the traditional central bank. Um, so in a central banking economy, you're basically all fighting to get towards that central banker because that's the guy that gets to print the money. And so everybody's competing to be that guy. Mm. Um, but now with these systems, you can have multiple competing hierarchies that all exist in parallel all at the same time. And your true wealth is actually established by being part of multiple hierarchies and proving yourself in multiple communities instead of trying to just kind of fight your way to the top of one of them. Um, this is also really interesting to me from a, like a longer term picture. Uh, I came from... Both of my parents worked really hard their whole lives to be professionals, but prior to that, like the previous generation of my family didn't have a lot. And so seeing wealth mobility in Canada, uh, where we're, you know, it's a resource-rich state, it's very early on in its economic developments, there wasn't a lot of hierarchy, and so they were able to do that. So a lot of other countries around the world, that's not possible. But there's just absolutely no wealth mobility. You cannot move up the social ladder. Um, and so what this means is that instead of having a traditional system where we've cemented the hierarchy, we can now actually establish multiple hierarchies in parallel and people will be able to prove themselves a lot faster and move up through that hierarchy faster. Um, which ultimately, I kind of hope that we have less hierarchy overall because it means that we'll have a lot of different ways for people to show their value and to participate in the economy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, uh, in a sense, you know, we every 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 human right has in, in a sense equal value right we're all one of ones right and if we get to that where where we can all achieve almost like the the hierarchy of self you know what i mean it makes me think of maslow's hierarchy of needs right like the top is self actualization right so we use i would say use is probably the wrong word but we collaborate like with each other to kind of move up in various hierarchies in, in order to sort of build what's important to us. And, and uh, maybe the ultimate goal is that we're, you know, we've all reached that one of one status internally and externally where we can really feel our true value. That, that's a fun dream. Um, I want to talk about gamification um, a little bit more. We've, we've talked about sort of the reward side of it. Um, it's actually interesting. I met Jesse at, at an NFT and DeFi, uh, party, uh, in like the Hollywood area. And I talked to him and he said, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this, this uh, gamification of currency thing. And then I met another guy later in the evening. I said, Oh, I just met this guy who's doing gamification of currency. And he said, I hate gamification. <laughs> um, and we had like a rousing conversation, uh, because, you know, he just had, a, and I can understand it, right? Like, I think we're all, it goes back to sort of the Facebook conversation. Um, we're all a little bit tired of sort of being gamed. Let's put it that, that way, right? So like there's a game that's set up that you have to play that you not, <laughs> don't necessarily want to play, but like you're in this game. So I'd love to just, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how this topic open up, opens up, but like how we, can we create gamification where it's not just you know, playing on our dopamine system 
and making us feel used, right? In the end, um, but but we come out feeling like happy, you know, <laughs> that we played that game, right? That we actually won. Uh, and Jesse, it seems like maybe you have some thoughts on this. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this forever. Um, so yeah, I mean, gamification is another one of those things, uh, like Al was saying um, about communities. Uh, you know, it's like we're all we're all experiencing gamification in all parts of the world, like all the time in, in tasks that we do, right? Everything is is really like an incentive model. And if you really break down games, like my my first company was a game company. So I've done all kinds of stuff with game game mechanics and game setup and all that. And it's all just incentives. It's like, you know, like why are there levels? Because it gives you an incentive. The human brain is, is, is uh, structured in such a way that we want to progress, right? We want to grow. We want to learn. We want to experience. And so how do we, how do we measure that? Well, incentives, and we need to put things around those incentives to show that progress. And so um, I think gamification, again, for me is at the core of what we're doing. And this is another job of, of ours with praise. And I hope the entire industry to, to keep educating people about what this means, because it can sound like a bad word, like, oh, I don't want to be gamed or this is gamified now. So it doesn't like, you know, I don't want to be being tracked to get rewards and stuff. But, but again, if you step back for a second and think about it, the reason we don't like to be tracked right now is because someone else is doing the tracking and using it for stuff that we don't want them to use it for. So if, if we fix the problem, which is not having, you know, one person or, or a group of people just deciding like, this is the game, we need to go into a world where everybody is saying, the, we want to create new games. We want to create new games all the time. And here's the, this game and here's that game. And who wants to play this game? And who, we need more choice, right? In all of these things. And, and gamification is going to be the thing that allows that to happen. Because right now there's one game. So it just fucking sucks. <laughs> but once there's a lot of games, then the incentives and the gamification is going to determine who wants to play which game and why. And the best ones are going to win, period. And it's like, what is our game? Praise's game is joy. We want to bring more joy to the world. I, I don't know what the bank's model is, but I'm pretty sure it's just like make money and like use it for whatever they want. So that's not my goal. My goal is joy. So that's the way our gamification is going to work. That's our North Star. How do we use the incentives in the gamification to create an output of joy for the most people possible? And then how do we elevate human consciousness with that? Now, I'm going to go out there and pitch that to the world and people are going to have a choice, right? You can, you can use uh, Al's currency. I hope a lot of people use it. You could use um, the government currency. I hope nobody uses that. Uh, you could use phrase currency. I hope a lot, you know, it's like, and, and I don't get to choose. Al doesn't get to choose. The people just get to choose which gamification systems they like and why. So imagine a gamification system like praise where you get to do fun stuff with people you like, and then we, we make money together because we've got um, we've got good causes involved and we can all collaborate together on different projects with celebrities. You can go hang out with your favorite celebrity and we're creating all this praise and there's game gamification elements to it. It feels like it's fun. And now you're actually getting praise by being part of that system. You've created some joy. We've got stuff happening with good causes. And guess what? That praise, that joy, it's currency and that can be converted into dollars or Bitcoin or whatever you want to go buy stuff or whatever you want to do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a much 
better system because the value isn't going back to Facebook or back to Instagram or back to, you know, fill in the blank. It's literally just getting siphoned out and, and flowing like liquid to the people who deserve it. Yeah. I think one thing we're coming away with, it, it's like sounds obvious, but it's something maybe another North Star, right? Game should be fun. <laughs> right? It's not rocket science. It's just that we have the technology to build this stuff now. And we've been operating in a in an old outdated system with reserve, you know, central banks and stuff. Yeah. Crazy. As I had this conversation with this fellow at this at this party that was sort of inspired by your project, um, I, I was think trying to think of of the games that that you know come from like a corporate place maybe that I actually like to play, you know, that, that I'm having fun with. Um, and it's and it's interesting. It's kind of silly. For, it's kind of silly to bring up. It's, I'm almost like embarrassed to bring it up as something that I, I like, but I, I've got I got a toothbrush that has like Bluetooth technology. And, you know, it tracks, you know, I'm brushing my teeth, like all this, and it tracks that I did it well. It's got like a, the, the 3D sensor to say, like, I, I covered all the areas. It's fun to watch. I watch my, I show my three year old, now, now four year old. He's like, Oh, you know, get that part, get that part. <laughs> it's cool. It's fun for me. It could be fun for a kid. I'm getting to brush their teeth and they like give me these, these little rewards. Everyone's like, Oh, you brush your teeth at lunchtime. You get a little medal, right? I mean, it's, it's harmless, right? And it's all in the interest of something that improves my health, right? And in, in, in fact, it, it also makes me think of, it's, it's one of the most uh, famous examples that people give about marketing, trying to get people to brush their teeth, right? And, and, and that's such a positive thing, right? That you can't really argue with. Um, there's some interesting studies around that, that they, that is where they first came up with, Hey, you can't just guilt people into brushing their teeth. You have to give them signals about the things that they actually care about and like, you know, like, Oh, it'll, it might get you laid if you have, <laughs> if you have good breath and you have nice teeth. And, and that's something that actually incentivize people, you know, whether it's good, bad, right or wrong, they're having fun. They're brushing their teeth. They're feeling good about it. And, uh, and they've got a bright smile, but they're also, it's healthy, right? Like it's, it's, it's in the best interest of their long-term health. Al, what do you think about, about this topic of, of gamification and getting it right? And any specific thoughts on, on things you're implementing or you'd like to see implemented that, so that we get gamification right? Uh, so you guys provide some really, really good examples. I think, uh, maybe to put a different spin on it, I could zoom out a little bit. There's a really great book called Finite and Infinite Games that basically defines two types of games that can exist in a human society. Um, so a finite game is played with an outcome that occurs, whether it's a winner and a loser, or there's something that happens and the game ends. And then there's a finite game, or an infinite game rather, which is different from a finite game, because an infinite game is played to preserve the length of the game, to keep the game going forever. So like you could be a soccer player, and that might be an infinite game, because you love the idea of playing soccer. But you could also play a soccer game, which ends, and then there's a loser. Um, and so I would say most blockchain systems, at least the ones that are very well designed, tend to be more like infinite games than finite games. Um, this is very cool to me because what it means is you're kind of constantly trying to reinvent how you're creating value for people. So the game mechanics might be a certain way right now, but the whole point is that they will grow over time. Um, and that has a huge, huge potential because it basically means we've now provided an economic incentive to iterate on these designs. Um, and with, a, with an infinite game as well, because it's meant to incorporate more people and to get them to play more and to continue preserving the sanctity of the game, keep it going, they tend to be more open. They tend to be more friendly. They tend to prevent, you know, kind of the typical types of manipulations that we think of when we think of gamification of things like Facebook, right? Um, so if Facebook really was playing the infinite game, they would intentionally not 
overbearingly gamify what they're doing. They wouldn't be trying to get people addicted because they know that that's going to burn people out over the long run. But in fact, Facebook and their accountants seem to be playing the finite game of trying to maximize ad spend return. Um, and that is a very finite game because what that does is you're basically abusing your, your customers and eventually you're going to take so much from them that they're never going to want to come back, right? Um, so that's really the potential of all this stuff is we get to build these decentralized infinite games that are actually rewarding to everybody that uses them that try to iterate towards being more rewarding over time. Um, and it's like a very simple example just to bring it home. When I was in uh, university, I was really dedicated on trying to get through my engineering degree. Um, and at some points, I'm like not that good at reading textbooks. So I would be sitting there trying to read through a textbook, and I knew I had like 20 more pages I had to read. So you'd have like a you know a snack, like maybe some like goldfish crackers sitting on the table. I like goldfish because we're called koi, you know. Hmm. Um, but the goldfish crackers are sitting on the table. Maybe every time you read a page, you have one cracker, right? Um, the difference is with a cryptocurrency economy, you can do that in a way that's actually real value, where it's actually incentivized and it's built into the game mechanics. So you can't even cheat if you wanted to. Um, and then as a community, we can iterate those concepts over time. We can make them more and more rewarding, and we can also make them more engaging for people so that it makes it easier for them to participate. So it's kind of a win-win, I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, it just briefly, I think about some of the volunteer work that I've done. It's, it's always fascinating to me when I get involved in some volunteer work. They're actually very, like, uh, you got to prove yourself. <laughs> that you're really committed to the volunteer thing. You know, you're not just there to get some credit or, you know, whatever. I remember I did this, uh, we gathered these bicycles for this project called, uh, what was it called? Working bikes in Chicago. And they, they would gather bicycles, um, that were abandoned or people donated. Uh, they would ship off some of them to developing countries where the bikes really had high value. Um, but then they would also take the really nice bikes and they would fix them up. And, you know, as a person who volunteered, you could sort of learn how to fix bikes in the process of volunteering for this organization. I always really loved that model. Um, but I, I also always noticed as I started to show up there, it took a little while for people to warm up to me, right? And accept me as a member of the community, you know, and eventually I, I, I did a bike, uh, drive, right? Where we, where we collected all of these bikes. And I, I really felt internally, I never shared that with anybody externally, but it was sort of like my way of proving, right? I'm part of this community. Um, you know, and, and I'm here, you know, to do something meaningful and contribute as opposed to kind of like take from it, right? Um, and I think that's kind of, it was almost like a socialized, just like a, a non-intentional gamification, uh, a sort of uh, social economy going on there. Um, but I like how yeah, we can create. Really great program too. I've seen some of their bike drives when I was living in Chicago as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you lived in Chicago. I want to quickly talk about one organization that is doing this really, really well that I've seen. So yeah. it's a team of former Blizzard executives. Uh, it's about I think it's about like a twenty-person team around the world, and they're basically building an entire digital economy specifically to reward volunteer behavior. Um, because they clued in that proofs of good, which is what they're tracking, you know, our core tracks proofs of real traffic, Leyline tracks proofs of good. And so what Leyline is doing, though, is that they can basically reward and track volunteer philanthropic efforts in a way that not only keeps charities accountable and makes sure that like there's a certain amount of transparency and accounting and things like that, but it also means that the end people who are coming into this ecosystem have an easier way to onboard because now they're part of this digital community in addition to the volunteer activity that they're doing. And they can build up their social good profile across all these different networks and actually give out NFTs to reward them. Um, they're trying to design it like a video game because they figure that's a great way to get teenagers into the concept, you know, before they get to the point where they have to, you know, as an adult, then go and awkwardly try to figure out how to volunteer. Because um, I was also there, I've been there myself, you know, you get to a point you want to start getting back, but I think it'd be really easy to integrate that into like school curriculums, you know, like, hey, here's your, uh, here's your app on your phone. You can earn some NFTs for going and helping out. Um, anyways, I'll drop that link in the chat here if anybody wants to check it out.
just have to say it's a big project. I don't usually do plugs, but yeah, for sure. And I'm not sure if our chat is goes out to the live audience. Is it is it just L E Y L I N E L I N E dot G G dot G G. I think it went to everybody. I see it in my chat. Okay. If you're listening in the chat, just see if let us know if you got the link. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, we're, we got about, you know, five or 10 minutes left. So, so let's expand the conversation a little bit. Um, thinking about brands that are, that are non-crypto, you know, um, maybe they're going to be getting in the space soon, but, but, uh, I'm curious, like if you guys have any ideas how they can use social tokens to create, um, strong community around, around their brands. Any thoughts on that, Jesse? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of praise in our business. So that's kind of like the NFT side of our business. So we've got our base coin that's spitting out rewards to everybody based on their behavior. Um, those coins are fungible. They're exchangeable, right? One Bitcoin, if I give you a Bitcoin, you give me a Bitcoin, nothing happens. It's the same amount of currency. That's that's like our base currency. But then we've got special coins and those special coins are NFTs. And those special coins represent like a campaign, a unique campaign or a unique moment or an event um, where we are collaborating with somebody, a brand, a celebrity, um, and, and in those cases, it's an entire project where we're building in, you know, a good cause. We've got, you know, some artwork potentially, maybe we've got a, a celebrity or a, a personal brand involved. And so, um, there's lots of ways you can basically use our system to, to create value, even if you don't want to be a crypto company. So the example I like to give is, um, Macy's. And let's say Macy's is doing um, their the big Macy's parade, and they've got all the this big sale going on. Um, we could partner, for example, Praise could partner with Macy's. Um, we could say, look, we know you guys are not a crypto company, but maybe you guys want to mess around and play in this space and create community and do all the cool things that NFTs allow you to do and associate that with your brand. Um, and um, ideally, Macy's would say, yes, praise, let's do this. <laughs> so Macy's, if you're listening, let me know. But like we would just say, OK, what do we want to do with this? Um, an example would be um, dropping uh, praise coins that are co-branded with Macy's in augmented reality around the Macy's in New York City or around the parade. Or And so people could use the praise app on their phone and they could search around and find these, these special Macy's NFT coins. And then if they collect enough of these coins during the parade, they get to go in and they get their own private dressing room and they get their own um, person who's going to be working with them and they get 50% off on everything, you know, whatever, whatever we come up with. Right. And it becomes this, this whole experience now. And, you know, people ask like, isn't an NFT just a JPEG? Like, why is it valuable? It's not the JPEG that's valuable. It's whatever you attach to that. Um, whether it's programmatically or through creative concepts for a campaign like this, you can attach anything to these, to these items, to these NFTs. Um, and so, you know, that's one way that we are doing this. There's an infinite number of ways you can get creative and sort of like use this technology. And, and you know, back to what you said, Ethan, about companies who may or may not be crypto companies, but may be crypto companies soon. I look at this like the phone or the internet, you know, it's like everybody will be using this. It's just how, like, how are you going to be integrating it? And so, you know, we're using blockchain a lot. It's one of the core elements of our technology stack, but a company like Macy's or an artist like Beyonce or whoever, like you can leverage it for whatever you're doing. It's fashion or if you're an artist or, you know, whatever it might be. So 
that's one way that we are starting to push out outside of the inner circle of crypto folks and trying to get out to the brands and be like, guys, you know, this isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. It could really help you out. Um, so that's that's been our approach. Cool. Yeah. And I'll give a little shout out, shout out to um, an organization called Endowment, um, spelled D-A-O in the endowment. It's a non-for-profit and, you know, sort of similar to what you're saying for kind of the for-profit companies, they're helping to like onboard the nonprofits into the crypto space. So basically what they offer is the opportunity, you know, if you're, if you have a not-for-profit and somebody's showing up at your door and say, Hey, we've got like, you know, 10 Bitcoins to give you, right? A lot of these nonprofits nowadays are saying, ah, we don't want to do anything with Bitcoin. We don't, you know, we're going to set up a wallet. We don't know. Uh, and so in, what endowment is doing is saying, Hey, listen, we'll be your intermediary. We'll help you accept this. We'll accept the currencies. We'll put it in a fiat account for you so you can, you know, spend it and do the good stuff that you want to do. Um, but there's, there's a ton of space, uh, for, you know, entrepreneurs and others to sort of connect those that aren't quite ready, right? With the system and, and help them uh, experience the benefits. Um, Al, any, any things that you guys are doing or that you've seen that you, you appreciate? Um, the value of kind of like integrating non-crypto com- companies with tokens? Uh, sure, sure. So I think the the thing that I'm more focused on is the technology aspect of things for the most part. Um, but where I see a gigantic advantage of this technology over predecessors, like the thing that's going to give you a difference with NFTs as opposed to a database is that the NFTs exist basically forever. You basically can't delete them once you create them. Uh, they're almost impossible to get rid of. They exist on this decentralized network of computers. They're global. They can be transacted almost effortlessly around the world. Um, and so what this has the potential to do is create global communities that can exist for a really long time. I saw someone in the chat recently said something about um, the OG ETH guys that are kind of reinvesting the money that they've earned back into the community because they care so much about building that ecosystem. Um, and that, I think, has a lot of potential. So actually, I'm familiar with a project that a friend of mine is running for uh, DuPont, which is a large chemical manufacturer, um, who are now working on essentially a recycling program using NFTs and cryptocurrency to incentivize people around the world to, in a decentralized way, gather up garbage and send it back to them so they can melt it down and recycle it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like this is a way that you could tackle the Great Pacific garbage patch, right? You could convince people around the world to get into this ecosystem make their mark on it and say, hey, I'm part of this community that cleaned all that up and my name is in history. And then also get rewarded with something that actually has tangible value that can be transacted with. They don't really have to worry about being part of the local economy or being part of any kind of existing corruption or anything like that. They can just kind of transparently trust that all of this stuff is being taken care of. Um, so that, I think those are the really big potential ones. Is if there's like a, if there's a long-term time horizon for the interaction and if there's something where the interaction uh, brings a large group of people around the world into the same experience because you know you can do something in one place, but if you do something around the world all at the same time, it has this overwhelming feeling of excitement that comes along with that because everybody wants to be part of something global, you know. And we can do that with crypto really easily, so it kind of comes like that out of the box. Beautiful. Um, I'm probably going to wrap it up here in a minute. Jesse, do you have any comments you wanted to make on this convo before I start wrapping it up? No, I think well, uh, Al, you just said that very eloquently. So let's I'll pass it back to you, Ethan. Cool. Um, well, before we leave, I want to make sure we get kind of the social handles and the, and the places for people to get to know more about both of you. So we'll start with you, Jesse, and then we'll kick it on over to Al, and then I'll, I'll lead us out, and we'll kick it on to the next thing. Jesse, where can people find out more? Yeah, thanks again for having us. Uh, you can find our company Praise at praisetoken.io. Uh, that's what we're working on. And then personally, I'm usually at jtevelo on most socials, um, which is just J and then my last name. 
Um, but uh, you can also just look up my name on Google or you can go to jtev.me. Um, that's my personal site. And from there, you can pretty much find what you want. Awesome. Al, what do you got for us? Uh, I just dropped all my links in the chat there. I'm also going to drop in my Koi DID page, which has all my other stuff on it in case anybody wants to follow me personally. Um, if you want that, that's koi.me, K-O-I-I.me slash you slash Al, which is kind of like Reddit, that kind of thing. Um, you can also get your own DID page in your future. So we're going to be setting that up. And anybody who wants to you can create their own kind of link tree page with all their stuff on it. Uh, sorry, random plug. I didn't really mean to throw that in there. It just kind of came out of the mouth. Um, the other place to check out is koi.network, which is K-O-I-I.network. And uh, again, I just dropped all those links in there just now. I Thanks just again. dropped uh, the praise token too, if anyone wants to jump over to that. Very cool, guys. Well, um, if you want, if, if people want to find, well, first of all, thank you both very much. Um, I'll give a little plug for Edge of NFT. Uh, if people want to find out more about us, they can just look up at Edge of NFT uh, or just Edge of NFT on various social channels, um, edgeofnft.com. Um, look out for a couple of projects. You know, one thing that I found really awesome about everyone here today is this long-term thinking. I love it. You know, I love getting in the mix with people who are thinking really long-term. Um, we're, we're doing that, uh, with some projects that we're building. We're dropping a spirit. Uh, Spirit Seed NFT project, which is a, a collaboration with Nicole Buffett, top 50 NFT influencer, um, laying the foundations of what our, our podcast and our, and our company can produce uh, far into the future. Um, and then following that, a living tree NFT project, which is, is, uh, you know, digitally generated generative art. Um, tree NFTs, which again represents sort of growing roots and foundation and branches uh, far into the future of these relationships, will be offsetting um, a year of carbon emissions of the average American for each one of our spirit seed NFTs. We'll be planting 25 trees for every each of our living tree NFTs. I'd say go to spiritseeds.xyz to find out more, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of what's going on. Any other final comments from you guys? Not too much. Thanks for having me. Jesse, we'd love to talk to you offline about what you're working on. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, likewise. Um, I mean, maybe I could spend 30 seconds to leave the, the group with something, just an overarching thought. You know, just, just imagine everybody listening. Right now, there's a, um, a standard, if you will, of having a job, right? You, have a, you grow up, you get a job, and then you try to survive. You try to make money, and then that's, that's it. The game is changing. Like that's not the game anymore. The game is going to just be value. However, you're valuable. You don't have to have a job. You're seeing it in the gig economy already, but it's going to start to be an avalanche where everyone can just do stuff and get money. And then like, whether it's praise or whether it's any kind of other currency, then you exchange it out into whatever currency you need, whether it's US dollars to buy something or whether it's Bitcoin to buy something else somewhere else. Like you just, so just think about that and start thinking about what you're good at and how, how the world's going to change and how money is no longer going to be the way you think of it. It's not going to be an issue in that sense because you're going to be able to use any, any talent you have and start to monetize it. So, so Al, thanks for, for building the, the rails for that. And, and Ethan, thanks for educating everybody. And I'm humbled to be here. So that's it. Just awesome. really cool time to be alive. Thanks for jumping in with that, Jesse. All right, we'll uh, we'll sign out now, and, and let's fo- folks get on to the next session. Um, thanks again uh, to my cr- Miami Crypto Experience and Crypto Night here uh, for making this possible. Talk to you all guys later. See you guys. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed the special bonus content from the Miami Crypto Experience event. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. 
We've got space for more adventurers on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And don't forget, as a member of the Edge of NFT ecosystem, you're part of a community defined by collaboration and co-creation. Right now, we're giving you a literal opportunity to plant seeds with us and grow deep roots and broad branches together through NFTs. We're breaking ground on our own special NFT collections. Please head over to spiritseeds.xyz to find out more about our collection of only 100 Spirit Seed NFTs that will ever be minted. That's been created in collaboration with NFT influencer Nicole Buffett. And stay tuned to our Discord, found at edgeofnft.com slash Discord, to get the inside scoop on our upcoming Living Tree NFT drop. Between these projects, we aim to plant tens of thousands of trees with you and offset thousands of metric tons of carbon emissions. At the same time, you'll get special access to our giveaways and events, as well as even more opportunities to co-create and collaborate with us. Check out edgeofnft.com slash discord to join our discord and plant your roots within our community now.